For the 185th time, this is Seeing the Elite, a friendship podcast. I am joined by my friend, my co-host, my tag team partner, Mr. Jonathan Davis. How's it going, buddy? I am your host, Bryce Reed. It's good to be here, be back. We took a week off. I was actually going to record something with Anthony last week after the circumstances that happened. That was like my like quick ditch fix for everything. But then JD wanted to contribute uh, the interview with his dad uh, regarding what had went down. And I, my ultimate decision was like, I should put that up and then just let that have its time. Let that breathe uh, and not feel like I have to put more content up than that. I hope that people enjoyed that. It was, um, I wish I could have put more time into editing it, but I didn't have it at the time. And, uh, as a result, it's kind of messy. Um, eh, but that's it, okay. You can, you can hear dad. That's, that's right. all that matters. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, man, it, under the circumstances, it is, um, you know, stressful for me meeting with you at this time because so much has changed for you so quickly in ways that I don't think either of us can really quantify at this point. So, um. yeah, it's, it's like, like I, I've told uh, a lot of people, like it, it's not real yet. Yeah. It's still kind of, kind of that, just the elephant in the room. Um, um, even you know, as ironic and to me, it's it's funny because uh, before we we sat down and did this, uh, my mom and I we went to to get some lunch because I'm you know still checking in on her, making sure she's doing all right. And the 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 funeral home called us and like, hey, can y'all can y'all come pick him up? Because we had him cremated, and we're like, yeah, sure, no problem, it's yeah. all good. So my mom's driving home, and she's like, you have to put a seatbelt on your dad, and I was like, nah, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, yeah. And I don't know. I I can't say for certain it'll ever be real, you know? No, it's, it's not. And it'll just be in moments. Like I think it'll be for a long time. It'll just be in moments. You'll remember and be like, oh yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's kind of it's one of those things that just kind of it hits you out of nowhere. You, I like I'll sit down and I um, just even this weekend um, I was sitting down and I, I saw a commercial like the XFL is back and I just I picked up my phone. And I was like ready to call dad. I was like, are you going to watch this shit? Yeah. And then I, it just kind of hit me like, oh, well, I can't call him. But <laughs> it's still, you know, it it's sad, but it also it makes me laugh because I know it's it's the goofy shit that I'm really going to miss the most. Yeah, but that's the moments where even though I don't have that opportunity to call him anymore, I know he's, you know, he's he's still here around with us. He's still always going to be living through us, and that's the best way to remember him. So, yeah, it's going to be all right. Yeah, I. Uh, it's been you know it's been a fun and interesting week for me. Valentine's Day sort of happened like while we were. Uh, in the midst of all this going down with you, of course, your Valentine's Day. I was shot to hell. <laughs> was marred by the situation going on in your life. So I can't imagine that you and uh, Chief Intern got up to much. Um, um, we watched Fifty Shades of Grey. 
because that's what she wanted very, to do. Very romantic. <laughs> yeah, she was Not like at all psychosexual sociopathy. No, um, but oh, she's been reading this this series of books. Um, and it's like a big, big, big thing right now. The A Court of Thorn and Roses, and it's mm. she just looked at me. He's like, "You need to read these," and I was like, "Okay," and she's like, "No, <laughs> it's just, they're smutty, and you yeah. need to read them." And I'm like, "All right." That's a so, whole. That's a whole genre of high fantasy at this uh, that uh, is taking the world by storm right now. Is the high smut level, yeah, high fantasy. So she's been reading those. Like she's de- she devoured them. There's five books. <laughs> she read them all in like two weeks. Um, <laughs> so she's like, let's watch a, let's watch a smutty movie. And I was like, uh, I'm gonna need some guidance here. Yeah, because <laughs> what I'm thinking is, you know, okay, we're gonna turn on Pornhub, right. but she's like, no, we're gonna watch Fifty Shades. I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm with that. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> A little soft for me, but okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Valentine's Day was was interesting and exciting. I've been seeing this person for a little while. Um, but not that long. And I, the, and it's the first time that I've ever been seeing somebody around Valentine's day, just by happenstance of, um, I didn't see anybody for a long time. And then most recently when I've been seeing people, it just hasn't been around Valentine's day. So this is the first time that I had like a Valentine with which to do Valentine's day things with, uh, which was, (laughs) it's uh, weird. It was, it's weird, you know, and it's, it's weird, especially if it's not anything you've ever done before, because you're kind of going off what you've been told you're supposed to do and kind yeah. of hoping that the other person is fucking here for it. You yeah. Know? Uh, <laughs> and you can have that discussion, but if you have that discussion, it kind of demystifies the whole thing, right? Cause it's supposed to be kind of a surprise the level to which you will do something. Um, right. Yeah. And so I, uh, neither of us were available on the day. Cause it was a fucking Tuesday this year. Um, this is in the middle of the week. And at the time I were, I work on Tuesdays. Um, and so I wasn't able to do anything, uh, on the day in terms of meeting up with this person or whatever. And this person and I have not been on that many dates, really enough dates to justify Valentine's Day action. But we had had a discussion of like, will you be my Valentine? Uh, And uh, it was all very exciting and stuff like that. So I felt like I had some agency to do Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, And so I hit up my friend who does uh, flower arrangements professionally uh, and was like, how much money is it going to take? Oh, man, you don't want to know that. To light this person up, you know? And it wasn't... (laughs) It's not a comforting number. It wasn't a small amount of money. It wasn't. uh, But (laughs) it wasn't what I felt was an inappropriate amount of money either. Um, And... So because I couldn't see this person on the day and because it was Valentine's Day and because, uh, you know, I wanted to 
to impress upon this person that I am excited about this relationship that we're building. I, I sent a, I sent big flower energy yeah, uh, over, <laughs> over, you know, and which I'd never gotten the opportunity to, to do before. So it was fun. You know, when they thanked me for it profusely, they were like, Oh, it's so amazing. I was like, you know, it's nice just to have, somebody to send flowers to yeah that, that's <laughs> it. it it really is that's kind of really just it it's um so you know chief intern and i we've been together for many many years now we we don't do anything on valentine's day for a couple of reasons one right we do not want to go out on the actual day and deal with all that craziness because right. it's, it's just wild right um but in the past it's always been she's like i i don't like valentine's day it's I just don't like it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We don't have to do anything. I don't care one way or the yeah. other. It doesn't matter to me. But yeah. like this year we were like, let's, let's try and do something, you know? Right. And then that went to shit, but you know, we, <laughs> we made a, we made a valiant effort. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, because I haven't been seeing this person that long, you know, the advice I got from friends and stuff was like, you know, don't be too intense about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but thankfully, uh, one of the wonderful things about seeing this person that I'm seeing is that uh, there's a general understanding that I, of who I am in the way that I love people and that it's, uh, uh, I, I don't really let how long it's been get in the way of, being as intense as possible about it, you know, and, uh, and some people that works for, and some people it doesn't. And thankfully it more or less works for this person. So there, it wasn't like you need to chill, dude. It was like, this is very thoughtful. And I was like, Oh, nice. Good. <laughs> Cause I was, you know, and I, I, I honestly think, you know, limited experience and all that. But I think when you're first seeing someone, that's the time to be as intense as you can be. You know, uh, in a way, it, yeah, to a certain extent, like because you are trying to demonstrate the way that you can be to the extent that you can be in that way, you know, like you don't want to freak people out or whatever, but you also want to impress upon people that like, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm excited about this thing. I want this thing to be that yeah you know it's it's still weird though because like you 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 have to you have to draw the line for yourself of like okay i'm i'm setting a precedent here i can't go full balls to the wall because now it's like okay well how are you gonna top it next year (laughs) (laughs) so saturday was when we actually went out and i this person that i'm seeing likes principally for me to just plan the mm-hmm. things and they come along, which I'm fine with. Makes Still it easier. Out. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, if it were the other way, it'd be the other way and I'd be fine with that too. But it's not. It's the responsibility mostly falls to me to do the planning on that stuff and that's fine. Happy about it, honestly, because uh, I like to plan things. And when I don't know what a plan is, that I, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, so, Fair. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, because I just have wild travel anxiety about stuff like that. So I planned uh, 
or was responsible for planning the date, I waited way too long. Waited way too long. Oh, no, buddy. <laughs> to do. And so, no, the, uh, the story ends up good. Uh, it ends good. It, there was just tension in the middle because I was like, it was like three in the morning, like <laughs> two, three days before. And I'm on Resi and Open Table, just like, where can I get us in? in this fucking city and for uh <laughs> for this <laughs> for the sake of context i live in portland maine portland maine has in the last 15 years reinvented its personal identity as a food mecca there are more restaurants per capita in this town than any other city or town in america um it is every single business in this fucking city is a restaurant. Um, and when you are a professional cook, it is the best place to live, my friend. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I, you know, was searching all over and there were options. There weren't zero options. I had us a, a a table booked at Luna, which is a rooftop bar, which I was like, rooftop bar, that's romantic and Valentine's Day E, you know, uh, but I'm not sure how the food's going to be. Probably not <laughs> great, you know, probably just okay. And I could have made a, a fairly decent date out of that. Um, but I get to work and I'm talking about like, oh man, yeah, I really, I wish I had gone early because there were, you know, in the, in the context of Portland, Maine, there, there's sort of a big, a big four when we're talking about fine dining date spots. Um, one of them is Via Vecchia. The other one is Scales, this place called Scales that I've never been to before. It's a ho uh, horrible, horrible name for a restaurant. Okay. <laughs> Another one is called Four Street, and uh, the last one is called Cheval. Although Cheval kind of falls outside of it because Cheval is outside of what people would consider the the hot spot, which is the old port in Portland. Sure. So, but but nevertheless, if you took someone to Cheval for a date, like that's you did a good job. You know, same with Via Vecchia and Scales and and Four Street. So I get to work and I'm I'm like full on like I fucked up, but uh, I think it's I think it's going to be salvageable. This you know this person that I'm with would not turn their nose up at it or judge me for not really uh, being in one of those four spots. Mm -hmm. And uh, the chef goes, "You should talk to the assistant manager here. Text her." see what's up. She can get you into four street in the back door. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I got the opportunity to, for the first time in my tenure here at Portland, flex my, uh, <laughs> industry connections to, uh, get a table at one of the nice places in town. Uh, and it was a matter of, 10 minutes before it was like 815 okay and i was like yeah 
That's yeah, fucking sure. perfect. Yeah, yeah. It was sick. <laughs> it was great. It was a really wonderful. It was nice. Yeah. Because you're sitting there and it's like, it'll be like 11. We're going to get like <laughs> last <Right>. last bit. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was a legit who you know thing because I had checked 4th Street and there was nothing. Uh, yeah. Sold out. And <laughs> but one text to to the assistant manager at uh at the place I work and it was like oh yeah eight fifteen I got you yeah you're right. in <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking I was like oh my god this is amazing and then they you know they put us at like like you could tell that there was a relationship with that person and and the person in Fourth Street because they put us at the nice table in the back and they put us you know like we were very well taken care of it was wonderful. It was really nice. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I have not gone to see Quantumania yet. I know it's out. I mean, obviously, I haven't either. Um, I've heard conflicting things, which is kind of par for the course for a Ant-Man movie, if we're being honest. Well, and for uh, a Marvel movie right now, I was watching today Charts with Dan. Have you ever watched Charts with Dan? No. Charts with Dan is a a weekly movie industry news and analysis show on YouTube hosted by this guy named Dan Merle. And he used to work over at Screen Junkies, something like that. Now he's independent. Now he's independent. Which is kind of par for the course for most of those industries now. (laughs) Right. And uh, operates an independent Patreon and and does things through his own YouTube channel. And Charts with Dan is a fascinating show. It's super in-depth. He looks at – he analyzes the data. It's usually like 40 minutes of box office analytics if you're into that sort of nerdy stuff. It's absolutely the place to go. If you're one of these people who does summer movie wager or something like that, very useful resource, that show. And uh, Dan is a great host, for what it's worth. That's the plug for Charts with Dan. Highly recommend. Watch it now and then when I have the time. Uh, wish I had more time to dedicate it to on a, dedicate to it on a weekly basis. And now that my schedule is sort of evening out, hopefully I will. But I was watching it, and he was talking about the cinema score of uh, Quantumania. Cinema score is a uh, a service that is provided where they sort of poll moviegoers the first weekend that a movie comes out about what they thought about the movie. And uh, the cinema score can be kind of directly correlated to what kind of legs the movie's going to have in box office because it indicates what the word of mouth about the film is going to be. And the word of mouth more or less controls how many people are going to go see it in the second and third weekend and the fourth weekend and beyond. Right. Sure. So he was sort of talking about how uh Quantumania had scored like a B plus or something cinema score wise. And that that was really pretty low for a Marvel movie. Like there's maybe three or four that have done a B and that's like the lowest score that a Marvel movie has gotten. I mean, and, go ahead. To, to be to be fair, like I I've seen I really liked the first Ant Man movie, the first the first one. I thought it was yeah. a lot of fun. It was a clever heist movie. Um, Michael Pena really 
made the movie for me. Really, him and Paul Rudd just together, that interaction was really the best part for me. Yeah, I honestly cannot tell you if I ever saw the second one. I don't I did remember. See this, I did see the second one. I do not really remember what happened in it. Yeah, and it's... So, I know this one is a, is very important for what they are setting up, and I will probably still watch it. I can't tell you if I'll go see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Ant-Man movies have historically not really been, you know, big money makers and stuff. No. But I think there's more of a story than that. I mean, I was a person who there was some stuff in phase two that I missed, but more or less I was there for for just the about rest all of, of it. it. For, yeah. For just about all of it up until Endgame. Spider Man No Way Home came out. I went and saw that. Um and uh and Far From Home and and I was up I was in up through through that but lately the lack of direction and i guess this one gets better on it to a fault that there seems to be too much they're playing catch up too much in this one and therefore the movie doesn't really stand on its own but the the general lack of direction in everything like i i watched moon knight because i love that character um, mm-hmm. but outside of that, it's been Loki and Werewolf by Night, and I tried to watch Werewolf by Night, but it didn't. Like Disney Plus was like, this title isn't working right now, and then I was like, well, get fucked. I'll watch something else then. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like I, I've seen like Ant Man Two is kind of the big one for me that I can tell right. honestly tell you I haven't seen. Um, other than that, like I haven't I haven't sat down and watched Werewolf not by Night just because. I haven't found time to. I heard and it's great. I've heard it's great as well. But other than that, it's like the Marvel Miss Marvel TV show. That's the only one that I really just did not connect with and didn't watch. The rest of them was like, okay, yeah, I, pr- I enjoy this. This is fun. I didn't watch Miss Marvel. I didn't. En- I haven't even seen Wakanda Forever. Um, I did not we, watch. We watched Wakanda Forever. It's it's good. My may I have two two real criticisms with it. One, it's too fucking long. It's yeah. almost three hours. That's too long. Um, so we actually watched it over two nights because we just like it's eleven thirty. We should go to bed. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is like you can very much tell they should have waited. Right. Everything in that movie, it's wait. It's too soon. It's too raw. And, you know, a lot you can see that this was a gut punch. We have to make the movie. How do we re- how do we reswizzle it? But it's too soon on all of the, the performers because you can see so much emotion there that they're like, where's Chadwick here? Right. What, what are we doing with this? So that, those are my two main criticisms with the movie. It was so, it was enjoyable. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Three hours. John yeah. Wick Four gonna be three hours. I, I don't understand this big fascination lately with making these three hour movies, with epic like, length, epic length movies. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, it's only in theaters. Like, cool, fuck off, brother. I will watch it at <laughs> home because, let me tell you, I have ADHD. You're hard pressed getting me to sit in one spot for two hours. Three ain't happening. Nah, I'm gonna go see John Wick Four in theaters for sure. I hope that it comes to the one. Small the one IMAX theater screen in <laughs> yeah. uh, in Maine, 
Main does not have an actual IMAX screen. We have what's called a mini IMAX. And uh, I've only ever seen one film there. We went and saw The Matrix 4 there. Um, which was, you know, it was after I had already watched it on H because I watched it on HBO Max as soon as it came out. And then we went with the boys to watch it, which is, it was not, a, it's not a movie to watch with the boys. Uh, but, but we went anyway to watch it on the mini IMAX and it was good. And if John Wick four comes there, I will make the extra effort to get to the cinemagic where it is, uh, to see it in that format. But, uh, I don't think that it necessarily will. Cause it is a Lionsgate picture still. I mean, we, you know, it's a huge release at this point because, particularly during the pandemic, people like really started watching the John Wick movies more. And now it's a lot, you know, people are super excited for the film. So there's a chance it comes to the IMAX screen, uh, depending on what else is going on that weekend. But, uh, but it is still a Lionsgate picture. Lionsgate still is a, um, <laughs> a they make a, choices, an independent movie studio that makes interesting film choices. You know what I mean? And, and, John Wick is their flagship franchise at this point. I think it's kind of immutable at this point that that John Wick is one of the biggest things that Lionsgate has ever been a part of. Uh, but it is it will be interesting to see what exactly it gets, how it does at the box office. It'll be interesting to see how far along they are with John John Wick Five. I know that they shot four and five at the same time. Um, to avoid the the very real fact that uh, Keanu Reeves is rather advanced in age at this point um, and isn't getting any younger and that it is a movie that requires a great deal of physicality uh, for him to play this character. So, uh, you know, going to have to see how this concludes. The other more interesting thing about that is that the head writer of the first three movies is not involved with this fourth one, which is, uh, you know, a bigger thing I want to talk about in regards to Creed three, which is coming out soon as well. Mm. I, have, <laughs> I, mm. <laughs> I have thoughts. Uh, I, yeah, I want to hear them because, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone's forced lack of involvement in the series moving forward so is like hard to hard to bear and but at the same time it's also you know this is michael b jordan getting the opportunity to direct i believe this picture correct um i think so. i can look it up real quick creed i think creed. he's directing think it, creed 3 yeah he's taken over from kugler okay so i hmm. So here's here. I am in a rough place because I do not want to support the way that Sylvester Stallone has been treated when it comes to an intellectual property that is unquestionably there is no ethical way to argue that Rocky should not belong to Sylvester Stallone. No, it's absolutely not. It's fucking his, and he, and if he's upset with the way that the ownership is broken down right now, there is no ethical argument that he shouldn't be appeased in this case. 
But at the same time, it is Michael G. B. Jordan getting an opportunity to direct this film. And I did love Creed 1 and 2. So I am internally, politically at a crossroads with whether or not I should support this film, knowing that doing so is directly supporting a producer who feels as though Sylvester Stallone does not have a right to own this franchise, which is fucking insane to me. Okay, so here, here's the thing. So the number, the first movie was was done by Ryan Coogler, right? Who's a who's a genius? He's a genius. Second one was not, mm. but he did not direct it because because they kept running into all the the, the scheduling conflicts with like Black, Black Panther and everything, right? Stallone finished the screenplay for this one for Creed two. So that's what kind of makes me think that maybe things got a little heated. I mean, he's still going to be, he's still a producer on Creed 3. But yeah, I don't understand how you can not have him involved with this movie like this. It's, it's his franchise. I'm sorry. It's like, it's like you said, it's his. So, I mean, and if they were doing something where like they, they were because the well, okay, they did not give his character an ending in Creed two, right? If you're going to move on past Rocky, I'm I'm okay with that, but you need to allow his character to have an ending, and that's, and it needs to be with his consent. Yes, in his his consent, his involvement, he he needs to be there. Um. Honestly, I'm not re- like I'm reading what's here of for like the the synopsis of this movie. I kind of feel they should have let let it end at, at Creed two, you know, because mm-hmm. that's really the closing of the story. You're you've avenged your dad's death, right? And this one, like everything I've seen, some of the the trailers for it, I've re- like reading synopsis is like it's just a This is just a boxing movie. This does this could be anybody. They didn't have to be Dude. Adonis Creed. Dude, fucking Creed Two was so good, right? But and that's what I'm saying. But like, listen, reading through this is like, you know, Adonis Creed thriving in his bu- his boxing career. When a childhood friend resurfaces, they have to prove, and he's eager to prove that he deserves a, r- a shot in the ring. And it's like, this is just a boxing movie. There's nothing you can change the characters through, and it wouldn't change anything at all, right? So I'm. I understand they want to keep going. You know, you got to keep keep going with while the iron's hot. I think Jonathan Majors is going to be awesome as the opponent in this movie. But I, I'm kind of the same way. Like you're you're taking this away from, um, from from Stallone in a way. You've also now now saying that they're you're making a fourth Creed movie and that you're going to do spinoffs. So it's like you are legitimately just taking this away from him now. And that's not okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it really bothers me. Yeah. Um, it really bothers me on the grounds that the Rocky franchise itself is so brilliant. And, I mean, even the recut that he did of 4 was awesome. Really, really cool. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it super bums me out. I want to I want to watch that recut again too. 
Oh, the Rocky Four one? Yeah, the Rocky Four one. Yeah. I made time to do that at some point. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's a bummer. It's just wild, man. I can't, I don't, especially with like Stallone's career resurgence that's happening right now. Yeah, like I feel like you're idiots for not involving him. Well, yeah, sure. You know, and like people, people are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Stallone for a really long time was openly derided. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and sort of mocked for the worst aspects of his career and uh i you know i think the same thing that happened with me happened with every like people went back and watched rocky during quarantine in the same way that they went back and watched the sopranos during quarantine right and i think history was kind to rocky because 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 it's so good and you don't you think it's not until you go back and watch it and then you're like oh my god this is a fucking heart-wrenching brilliant fucking film oh well, um, i mean it's kind of like when, when you and i were growing up we can we we grew up after the big heyday of the 80s action movie yeah so we we missed out on that all that where stallone was the the god of the box office and everything mm-hmm. so you know, like when we were growing up, it was, oh, look, it's Stallone. He's doing something stupid again. He's going to be a jackass or some <laughs> some stupid movie. Right. Because um, at that point, it moved on. You know, he was not the big action star anymore. He, the world had moved on past him. But it's, I don't know. I feel like he's having a big resurgence right now, especially with Tulsa King, where he, he was just absolutely phenomenal in. Yeah, he's having a big resurgence, uh, you know, and I think it's just, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, right? And for a long time, how he had finished was with that that stupid, dumb 80s shit that, you know, and making movies that sucked. And and Stallone kind of always made movies that sucked, like in between the movies that were fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, that's how you got Cliffhanger. Right. But he's kind of like he the he had ended on like kind of a, a bad note, like even um, fucking Rocky Five is the worst of the series still not nearly as bad as people say it is, but it, the worst it's, of the it's series bad. for sure. It's, it's, and he comes, yeah. he comes back and he does Balboa and Balboa is fucking great, you know, and starts doing Creed and Creed two. And those are both fucking great. And then he, you know, and then pandemic happens and people go back and watch the good stuff. And that's mm-hmm. almost like he's putting it out again for the first time, but he's not, and so then that sort of feeds into it and people going like, no, like Stallone's actually fucking brilliant. And I've seen a handful of performances from him where I've been like, wow, he can actually fucking act like <laughs> it's kind of amazing. And, uh, you know, then he puts out the recut of four that people went back and revisited with. And um, and Tulsa King is out. I got to start. I got to watch episode one tonight. You got him, man. You're gonna Where, fucking what is love it this on? Shit. What am I on? Um, I mean, if you you want, you can just use my Plex server, but uh, Paramount Plus. <sighs> I hate that. Or you hit me up later, and we can we can sort I'm, that I out. Might, I might hit you up later. Can I run a Plex? I guess I can run a Plex through Android TV. Yeah, you just it just download the Plex client on your TV. That's what I do. 
Yeah. And because you're not running the server or anything, you're just running the client to right. stream. Yeah. So yeah. Sick. Um. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I listened this week to the new Paramore album. I think it's pretty good. Um. It's been a while since they put out something I really connected with, but there were a couple of songs on the record that I thought were pretty strong. Um, do now, I think it's particularly funny because I also listened this week for the first time to the Olivia Rodrigo record that everyone was freaking out about like a year ago, uh, Sour, that she put out her debut record. Sure. Um, which is <laughs> uh, which is a better Paramore record than the new Paramore record is uh, on just so on the nose like oh it's Paramore plus Avril plus a little bit of um, uh, Billie Eilish in there as well uh, and so uh, it's phenomenal uh, the the Olivia Rodrigo record uh, it's not something that. Uh, I think punk rock boys are supposed to say, uh, but it's a phenomenal pop record. Um, and I uh, really enjoyed listening through that. I'm over the moon that Disney plus is embracing music productions to the degree that they are, which seems like such an obvious, like, yes, of course, Disney should do that. Um, but the fact that there is now a whole section and that they are, they are doing interesting things music wise, basically when any of these pop divas put out new records, they are giving them like hour long specials to like play these songs and talk about them or whatever. Um, Billie Eilish Uh, has one. Olivia Rodrigo has one. Taylor Swift just put one out, I think. Uh, oh, you lost for, me there for her new record. Uh, but then beyond that, they're doing stuff like this uh, presentation of um, uh, Elton John at the uh, the Brooklyn Bowl that just went down, which uh, is gorgeously shot and almost distracts from the fact that, yeah, Elton John should be doing a farewell tour. A lot of those songs he is doing his absolute best to sing, but he is just old he's you know and you get to a point vocally where it's just not going to be there for you and thankfully he is you know watching it is interesting because it's in 4k hdr they got such beautiful coverage on everything it's really a wonderful gorgeous production but watching elton try to perform these songs like it's So I've like gone to see Billy Joel live, who's in the same boat as Elton John in terms of aging, but still playing these songs. And I saw him roughly eight years apart. And between those two shows, like it was easy for me to see like the areas that he had been like, I can't do that anymore. Someone has to do that. And I can't do that anymore. Somebody has to do that for me. And it's fine. You know, but it is, you are sort of watching somebody have to pull that back. And and luckily changes, I think, were made in the right place for the Elton John production to be like, yeah, okay, it's understandable that he has to take the low note on here and have somebody else take the actual melody that he cannot sing anymore. Um, and it's a little sad to watch that happen, but it's also natural and it's not something that... I think should be held against somebody or something that someone should be afraid of. He's fucking old. That's how it is, you know? 
And uh, it was really cool that Disney put a bunch of money behind making sure that this historic final show in America, quote unquote, for uh, for Elton John was uh, uh, now exists forever as a concert film. Um, that's really special. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Disney is now is taking over for what MTV used to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is hilarious because you'd think it'd be something that Stingray Quello would be trying to do, and St- Stingray Quello does to a certain extent, but they're just such a small-time operation, and it's difficult for them to really put money behind big stuff like this. So, yeah, yeah. Um, what have you been up to this week other than <laughs> dealing with everything changing? Um, that's, that's, it's real been a lot of that. It's, and then, you know, just here and there, just, you know, trying to take some time for myself and to get my, get myself back in, in that mode so I can, you know, get back on with things. Um, we went to see, so we had my dad's service on, on Saturday. Um, and we did that. I gave, gave the eulogy, um, you know, kind of, I sent everybody out with, with a smile and a laugh, which is what, what dad would have wanted. Um, and then on Sunday, uh, we went to see my little cousin. It was in his first, is, uh, he's doing gymnastics and he did his first competition on Sunday and little dude, he's eight. (laughs) He could whip my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I, I was so impressed and we're like, we're sitting, you know, my, his dad, my older cousin, he's been my big brother my whole life. So, you know, it's just kind of, you know, my dad was involved was you know go fishing with them a lot and stuff in the summer and i i told him like i'm going to i want to be involved with the kids i'm going to take over i can't replace dad but i want to you know do what i can right so and me and my mom we went over to the gymnastics competition and just like you seeing these like little 8 8 to 10 year olds just doing all this stuff and i'm like they could i'm i'm 20, i'm 34 years old i cannot do these things um but the little little fucker, he did good. He he placed in four out of six events. Um, mm-hmm. he got two first places on two events, and then he was fourth overall in his division. You know, for your first competition ever, like that's that's baller. Um, so just you know, little shit like that. I had a good time with that, and then it's actually kind of funny. We were talk, talking. I was talking to him, and he's like, "So your your dad tells me you like Minecraft." He's like, "Yeah, I really do," and eight years old already starting to learn how to program and code stuff up. And I'm just like, dude, I didn't do that till I was in my twenties. So good job. <laughs> um, already so he, had a degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the kid's sitting over here and he's like, do you have your own Minecraft server? And I was like, yeah, I've put one together. And he's like, can I play on it? I was like, sure. Yeah. And you know, and, and so that's a lot of what I did yesterday was like, okay, shit, I gotta get a Minecraft server set up for this kid. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so that, that's, that's been doing that. And then, you know, just, you know, p- goofing around here and there, work, going to the bookstore stuff, just trying to do some stuff for myself. Yeah. Um, and you know, wa- watching wrestling and stuff and doing my normal routines. Yeah. But. I'm, you know, I wasn't, my schedule was such that I was not available on Sundays for a long time there. Um, but it recently changed. So now my Sunday nights are open, and I did text Shane and say, hey, if you want to come over to my place on the 5th of March and watch 
this fucking pay-per-view. I'm not against yeah, it. Yeah, man. And he said, sounds like a plan, bud. So you're, you're uh, sold now. <laughs> so uh, we're going to try to make this thing. Ha- Can I still buy this thing with a fucking VPN on fight? Like what's going on? I had, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> what are the other, the other options are PlayStation store and bleacher report. Yeah. If you can get it to work on fight, do it on fight. Yeah. Uh, bleacher Report's still a mess. Uh, and that's kind of one of the, the few, sil- you know, silver linings of, uh, of dad not being here is I don't have to deal with that shit anymore. <laughs> I just, I can just order it on fight. You know, I don't have to, cause you know, dad trying to set up a VPN on his stuff. Oh, like, yeah. no, no, that's not happening. No, but so, but that'll, that'll be like, good. No, it's gotta, you gotta use Croatia. That's the one that's working right now. <laughs> I know. Right. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sitting there like, where the fuck is Croatia? It's like, Move on, Dad. Just move on. <laughs> um, uh, so, man, this pay per view it's it's settling up. It's tightening up. It's gonna be a good fucking it's show. It's looking like it's gonna be good. I'm excited to to dip a toe back in from a casual standpoint and not have to worry too much about thinking or talking about it. Um, and just spending time with friends watching, like, uh, watching wrestling like a normie, which I haven't done in 11, 12 years. So, yeah, give or take. Yeah. <laughs> like the way you're watching it, the way you're supposed to, you know? So, um, I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting got, to think about. They got four matches already lined up. All Hell four yeah. of them are pretty baller. You know, they got the Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. Um, the guns versus the acclaimed versus two other teams in a, f- a fatal four way tag match for the championship. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about the main. I want to see MJF yeah. and Danielson go to town for an yeah. hour. That's an gonna be hour. Awesome. An hour. And the, you know, Moxley and Hangman in a de- Texas death match. Just put it in my veins, buddy. I didn't even know about that, but that's exciting. Let's answer some questions. We are, we're in the last 15 minutes of the show here. Yeah, no, we got a a handful here. Oh yeah, okay. okay so my my F one predictions. Uh, so season's coming up. They're actually getting ready to start doing testing for the new cars, like next this weekend or next weekend. Mm-hmm. First race is the same day as Revolution, so that's gonna be a long fucking day for me. <laughs> um, I think. I don't really, you know, right now it's all kind of just rolling the dice. So I'm just going with my gut. I think Lewis Hamilton's going to, he's going to be a contender this year. I think he's going to give uh, Max Verstappen a real, real challenge this year. Um, I don't think the new rookies coming in are going to do much of anything because where the cars that they're driving are, have historically been shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's going to be, my prediction for the top three at the end of the year is Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc. So the the traditional, the big three, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Hmm. If Ferrari doesn't blow up again. God, they have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all completely gibberish to me. But. Yeah, it's just Latin to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all Greek to me, baby. Uh, let's see. Where we, I gotta f- figure out where we started. 
Um, what was the first storyline that made you realize that you were going to be a wrestling fan for years? Uh, ECW One Night Stand 2006. Um, that whole show. I think we ordered that pay per view. Because the lead up to it was exciting. I know at the time it was coming like the the sort of Edge and Cena thing had started happening to a certain mm-hmm. extent, and maybe they had had a feud, and it was like, oh, this is kind of this is interesting. I'm enjoying this. I love Edge, you know, and uh, and what he's doing in this uh, feud. It's very sort of counter countercultural. Uh, uh, heel but also to a certain extent like you could argue that cena is uh is the heel depend on depending on your personality you know and uh they do ecw one night stand 2006 which is one of maybe the fucking greatest pay-per-views ever just the atmosphere and the vibe is so just like punk rock versus pop i mean like bell to bell, that's also just one of the best pay per views that's ever been produced. Right, and there are just so there's so many wonderful because that one is straight up like ECW guys versus the ECW One Night Stand 2005 is kind of a missed opportunity because it is a return for ECW, and so it's a lot of just like ECW. It's an ECW show, whereas ECW 2000 uh, uh, One Night Stand 2006 is ECW versus WWE and there's a wild atmosphere in the room for all of it, you know, and, the, and it's full of ECW fans. So all the WWE guys are fucking heels and it's like, fuck you motherfuckers the whole time. Everyone's losing it. Fucking Randy Orton's getting so much trash thrown at him immediately as soon yeah. as he comes out, you know, I, I remember you told me you, you need to watch this one yeah. and I, I sat down and I watched it just like that. The Edge Mick Foley Lita match, yeah, versus dude that hardcore match that was so fucking wild. It's so man. good. And then the moment that everybody, of course, remembers from that show is the end. It's Rob Van Dam versus John Cena, and John yeah. Cena. It, uh, Rob Van Dam is of course lauded because he's a, an ECW original, and John and it's both belts are on the line, and John Cena's in the ring, getting just eviscerated by the crowd because he is the Superman figurehead of pop music in wrestling, you know, and he throws his fucking shirt out into the crowd and some massive dude catches it, wipes his ass with it and throws it back in the ring. And you can see the guy (laughs) in camera the whole time. And as he throws the shirt back in the ring, he's like, fuck you, fuck you. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. And the atmosphere and and Cena kind of plays into it and starts, you know, doing like, you may not like me, but I'm I'm fucking better than Rob Van Dam, you know, like kind of throughout the whole match. And then the, the match kind of spectacularly ends when a figure in a motorcycle helmet and a trench coat comes out from under the ring, tackles John Cena through a table and Rob Van Dam is able to take advantage for the win. And then the guy wearing the helmet removes his helmet and it's fucking edge. And it's like, Oh my God, like edge fucking like broke camp and went and helped the ECW guy because he hates John Cena so much. 
Um, it's, it's just wild. I mean, I it's magic. It's a fucking magic moment, and that was uh, for me the first moment where I was like, oh, like you can fucking you can tell incredible stories with this medium once and in a while. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 cra- the, the crazy part is is like looking back na- now, like you and I, we know so many people in the crowd of just our friend group. Sure. Yeah. We're just happened to be there because they were wrestling fans. And then, you know, we met them, you know, 10 years later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, so that was the moment for me that I was like, Oh, you know, something cool can happen here with this medium. I remain frustrated that things like that don't happen more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. But um, uh, but that was yeah, that was the moment for me where it was like, oh, I'm gonna stick on this for a while. That's a long answer to that question, but well, I mean, that's good though because I really don't have an answer to this question. Like, like as right, as you were born people. into it. You know, yeah. There, there's, I, no, I'm but there's, a tourist. You were born into wrestling, molded by it. You know, yeah. Uh, so. Like, there, there's no, there's no real answer. Like, I remember watching wrestling from the times when I was very, very little. Um, like it's I, like I asking if... me when I remember a winter being cold, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, I don't know if, way, but... if we spoke about it on the, the podcast that my dad and I did, but like, the day after I was born, yeah, my dad left my mom at the hospital to go to a wrestling show, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's so... just like. There's no real answer. It's just it's been there. It's always been there. Um, let's look on next question. This is the good one. This uh, that pre- previous loan was from um, New Day, the Chaos Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, this question is from the Mad Cow Bad Cow. If you could pick the musical artist for the Super Bowl halftime show next year, there was so much to say about this. The Super Time Super Bowl halftime show. By the way, Rihanna did did real good. She did great for did, what that show is. Do I think that the Super Bowl halftime show sucks and is a gross parody of uh, an art form that I think is uniquely magical? Yes. Uh, it's uh, awful. But the the disgusting, weird thing that they have turned the halftime show into is... Uh, you know, is what it is for its own reasons. I think maybe the last time that they did a, where I felt like it was legit musical act was maybe, maybe Prince or Springsteen. The who, I mean, let's be real here. The reason the halftime show is the way it is, is because of the who, um, the who I actually, I learned this the other day, the, the half Super Bowl halftime show did not become a big deal until like the mid nineties. So like the mid nineties, but it's important, like, they hired The Who, and they fucking sucked. They yeah. sucked. They fucking sucked hard. stunk up the joint. They sucked so hard. And then after that, we started seeing the halftime shows like we see now, which are ostensibly live performance music videos instead of actual live musical performances. There are a handful of good ones that are worth revisiting. Springsteen is worth revisiting. Prince like is worth yeah. revisiting. Um but for the most part, they're pretty fucking awful. And as a, you know, there's two really important factors to consider when you wonder 
why obvious choices like Metallica or like Foo Fighters or something like that hasn't happened yet at the halftime show. There's two very important factors to realize why um, those things don't happen. Number one. Lars and, can't play live. Well, sure. There's that. <laughs> Although he wouldn't have to because number one is it's played to a track. Uh, every well, that's, artist, why he, that's why he can't do it. Right. Every artist you've seen in the last 10 years, it's a mime show. It has been a mime show for some time. There's a chance that vocals are live, but I wouldn't even hang your hat on that being the case if they don't want it to be. Um, they confirmed to it a track. With, they confirmed with it with Rihanna's. The, with Rihanna. Hers was singing to a track. Yeah. It was not live vocals at all. Yeah. Um, which is which fine. Is that, uh, it's not fine. It's fucked up and it's wrong, but it's, it that's how they do it because they want to keep every they're they're so married to keeping everything on time uh with the production of the show that not only do they give the halftime show a paltry 11 minutes uh to go like maybe 13 minutes uh the whole thing is fucking mimed and we've known that since red hot chili peppers did it because red hot chili peppers in order to show the illusion of their show had dudes playing instruments that weren't fucking plugged in and uh people came yeah. up and we're like, hey, you could at least put a wireless pack on your instruments and not turn it on so you could maintain the illusion a little bit better. And they were like, well, that's the deal with doing the gig. It's a mime show and people need to get over the fact that it's a fucking mime show. Um, and we did it because they offered us a lot of money and it seemed like a good deal. But yeah, it's fucking top of the pops. We're doing top of the pops up there and it's fine. Um, and it, I... Vehemently disagree with the idea behind it, but there are reasons to do it. The other reason it's important to note why you don't see obvious in demo choices like Metallica, uh, Foo Fighters, uh, uh, Guns N' Roses, right? Like you don't see these bands get that gig. It's because a lot of them refuse to play to a track. But the other thing is the Super Bowl halftime show is not for people who watch football. No, the Super Bowl halftime show is to give people who otherwise don't really like football and wouldn't watch football a reason to watch the Super Bowl. It's for your right. wife. It's for your girlfriend. It's for your kids. That's what it's for. That's why over the last few years, it's been Dr. Dre and friends and Rihanna. And uh, before that, it was Gaga, right? Gaga did one. Uh, so the last Pat, so Rihanna last year was Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick mm -hmm. Lamar. Um, before that, it was The Weeknd, right? Um, uh, Shakira and J Lo. That one was baller. I like that one. Yeah, that was cool. Um, uh, Maroon Five with the worst performance that has been done, and <laughs> also at the worst Super Bowl right. in quite some time. Um, uh, a couple years, 2018 was Justin Timberlake. Um, you know, shout outs to our, our boy Leon. He got to perform yeah. that one. JT uh, and and Lady Gaga, yeah. Yeah. But like I, I can honestly say like I was impressed by this one with Rihanna because she did the whole thing by herself. And the past yeah. couple of years, that's hasn't really been a thing. Right. It's been guest star central. Mm -hmm. Um but not only that, she did the whole fucking thing pregnant. Uh, Props to pregnant. you. Very Props pregnant. to you. Showing <laughs> pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was, it was like, she was up, she was up high, you know? Oh yeah. Fucking scary. I'd be like, oh, fuck, you know? 
uh, just just <laughs> see. I was sitting there and I was watching. It, I was like, no, I don't like this. And don't like that har- at all. She was harnessed in and stuff like that. Like there was very little danger involved. But, uh, absolutely, but you know me, I'm just sitting here is like I don't like heights anyways. No, they're <laughs> way up there. Yeah. Um, the the uh, big joke going around though was, oh cool, they did a Super Smash Bros. stage. Right. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's what it looked like. That had to have been a subconscious inspiration to some degree. I. Uh, and as a result, I'm not really sure who I would who I would pick to do 13 minutes at the Super Bowl with what that well, show has become because it's become so much not, you know, like the people that I think of who do great live music shows, it's like they do great live music shows, but this is not a live music show anymore. Well, and it's it's also kind of like you said, like uh, Foo Fighters, Metallica, like what what are they gonna do? Like play five riffs? Because it, well, like, yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna but, basically do a medley the way that the Who and and Springsteen and fucking but the way everybody does. I mean everybody has to do a medley because you don't have that much time. You're doing I mean even you're doing a medley even to a stronger extent than like Queen at Live Aid, right? Where like they had to truncate a bunch of stuff, but it's still they're at least playing mostly whole songs like you have to truncate right. it down to like legit being a medley um which is hard but but even so but like you think about metallica like 90 percent of their songs are over seven minutes yeah so it's like what are they actually gonna play uh, yeah they would have to medley. so and, and i mean but even like when you put it into the medley it's it's like you're playing like three riffs and a lyric and then going to the next one. <laughs> so it's, it's just a, a mess of things. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, Foo Fighters would be a good one, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be maybe the most obvious choice. I'm excited that they're getting back out there. I don't think I'll have time to see them this year with Vegas happening. Book the house for Vegas. Super excited for Vegas. Um, got, uh, you know, we were looking at stuff, but there's enough of us going that we're like, let's get an Airbnb and do it and, and split it, you know, because if, if it's just two of you going to Vegas, getting a hotel room is a, it's as good a deal as getting something else. And you're going to be right there on the strip. And that's the experience. It's a fucking blast. You get access to the pool and stuff like that. It's great. Uh, it's a great experience. I won't front anybody who chooses to do Vegas that way. But if you're going with potentially eight people, rent an Airbnb. Might as well. Yeah. And split the costs. And you're going to keep the costs way down to like $300 for each person for lodging for the week as opposed to $1,200 for each person for lodging for a week. And so... That, you know, it's the move. And beyond that, the other great thing about getting an Airbnb, especially if you get one with a pool, is that that pool doesn't close. Whereas the pools at the resorts fucking close. They close. Really? Like, yeah, they close. A lot of them close at like fucking sundown, too. So. See, I I never knew that. That just. That just makes no sense to me because it's so every- bizarrely anti-Vegas, but I guess they just don't want to have lifeguards on at night. It's harder to keep track of people at night. They don't want people to drown. They don't want people at the pool shit faced, which can happen during the day, but is, you know, less More likely. easily. Yeah. But like, also, don't a lot of those casino- hotel casinos have indoor pools? 
a lot of them are outdoor. Okay. A lot of See, that's I, why that's why I would generally if people are like, "Oh, I want to go to Vegas in like in the winter time, I would generally be like, "Don't do that because a lot of the pools are closed in the right. winter time." Because it gets cold as fuck at night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just not it's you wanna be the you wanna be in Vegas on Memorial Day weekend. That's when all the stuff's happening. You know? So, <laughs> so. Well here's the funny thing. So you know uh, I don't I don't know if you parsed it out from our on Discord or if you've heard, but they have the for, they have a Formula One race in Vegas this year. It's mm-hmm. the first time. It's in November <laughs> at night. <laughs> At t- it start the race is starting at 10 p.m. local time. I'm surprised no. they haven't just built a big track out in the desert to do that. Regularly, no, they wanted, but uh, they want to do it on the strip. They want the strip on the strip. Yeah, they're going That's through the extravagant. strip. That's fucking awesome. yes. It but because Formula One, right. but it, when you, the uh, the podcast I listen to that talks does like the recaps and everything, they're like. Has anyone ever like really checked about being in Vegas in November at 10 p.m. at night? It's pretty fucking cold, guys. Pretty fucking rough, guys. It's <laughs> yeah. not going to be great. It's honestly, it's. I mean, it's going to be cool being in Vegas at any time. It's fucking. It's sick, you know. But it's yeah. T- it's going to be rough. Yeah. So you know, like Chief Intern when they first announced it, like we were like, okay, we're going to go. Obviously, we're not going to now because it's astronomically stupid expensive. Yeah, um, but now looking at it, it's like for us here on the East Coast, the race isn't starting until one a.m. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so nice. it's just like, you know what? Let's just wake up on Sunday morning and watch the race. It'll be fine. <laughs> we don't have to deal with hotels and playing rooms and all that shit. Well, but yeah, if you want to come to Vegas Memorial Day weekend, there are slots in the house available at this time opening i'm 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 still i i appreciate it i'm still looking at things it's probably not gonna end up working out because i'm gonna just being honest with you i've looked at that punk rock bowling lineup there's really not a lot that really interests me it's not a lot in fact it's so much so that when they released the uh lineup for the floggy molly cruise i was like fuck it's better and fucking better than punk rock and and it's better I will say it's better. It has more bands that I know I like on it. Yes. Is the thing. Punk Rock Bowling could potentially be a better lineup. There are so many people on that lineup that I'm like, uh, I don't fucking know. I haven't listened to them. But Flogging Molly has, Flogging Molly Cruz has Flogging Molly and Pennywise and The Bronx and like bands that I fucking adore. It's, It's just, it was more, you know, I need to have the forethought of like i want to do it next year that's what i'm thinking is i want to do it next year so there you go um, um but it's also you know the big thing with punk rock bowling is the club shows yeah and the club shows have not been great there's club a couple, shows kind of suck this year yeah the club shows kind of <laughs> suck this year especially compared to 2020 2020 2020 had an andrew wk show and a mariachi el bronx show happening in different venues at the same time and i was like yeah fuck uh, so it's, well, it's not, and we were, we were sitting there and it was like, okay, we don't know if we're going to get tickets. Cause this is going to sell out in two seconds. Right. We ended up getting tickets for them and we like, we had the shows we wanted to, but it's also like, okay, if we plan this out, right, we can see the Bronx 
<laughs> and then we can just haul ass over to the other club and see Andrew WK because fuck the the opening bands on the Andrew WK show they're shit. <laughs> right, yeah. It, it's you know, it was tough. Uh and it was particularly hilarious because neither of those bands were even on the actual festival. Which yeah. is typically how these things go. They just released one today that I think is pretty good and then there was one the other day that was good too. Fish the Fishbone show. I might go to the Fishbone show. That'd be fun. Um, it's got the skints on there too, I think. No, that so that's the one they released today. Okay, which is a different, a different. I can't find the the flyer for it, but that's fine. No, the one with Fishbone has uh, one of the guys from Bad Brains is like on it as well, doing a solo show, which is kind of cool. Um, oh, that's gonna be dope. Yeah, let's move on was... to an, uh, to another to a couple more questions before we get out of here. We're gonna go yeah. on this episode. Uh, let's see. We got a couple more. Um. Uh, da, 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 da. what are the best things about the steam deck and what games do you recommend from our lovely boss badger um my fucking charger for my steam deck died and i don't know why but i ha- i do have another fast charger thankfully that can handle it but uh i don't know i gotta go buy a, an oem fucking charger for my steam deck which sucks um, um if you're gonna buy one you might as well just buy the dock it comes with one sure that's true. At this point, that's correct. Yeah. Um, um honestly, I the, port- the portability first. of it. I'll go first because uh, my talk is uh, pretty small. I uh, the best part is, is that it's an open ecosystem version of the Switch. So, like any of those things that you really enjoyed about the Switch, like the Steam Deck, is that, but kind of more open ecosystem, and you're not really just waiting for indies and Nintendo games only to buy the Nintendo games and be for the most part, supremely disappointed. Although I hear I I am, I'm madly jealous about the Metroid prime remake finally happening. Oh, that one. That's, that's good. And being locked out in the cult because I got rid of my switch. I'm, I'm jealous about it. Um, that's, that's, that's why you got to set up, um, emu deck buddy. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I got to do the fucking thing where you enter the code to like make it, do um xbox stuff too um, yeah but i haven't done that yet and uh have just been playing games uh, the steam deck uh best thing about it is uh it will shock you with how powerful it is especially if you're somebody who's trying to compare it to the switch there's no comparison i mean i have played you know i played the resident evil 2 remake on that thing and was legit beside myself i was like holy shit this is better than the experience that I had on PlayStation 4 three years ago, and it's in my fucking hands the whole mm-hmm. time. It's fucking unreal. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful, wonderful gaming machine. Um, the games that I would recommend for it, if you haven't played them, Ape Out. Fucking play Ape Out on the Steam Deck. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but it's almost, you know... It's weird to even uh, like fucking any anything. It works on that thing, you know, um, and it's going to give you the best handheld experience that you can imagine. I mean, which and, and there's so many games that work on it that it's like it's difficult for me to even pick games to recommend. I don't know Witcher three. You play Witcher three plays great on the Steam Deck, you know, um, anything um, that has come out over the on, on PC over the la- fucking Spider-Man 
plays great on the Steam Deck, and it's a fucking blast. Surprisingly good. Yeah. On on the Steam Deck. Um, I kind of... The same thing. Like, really, the portability of it, being able to have my entire... Essentially, my entire gaming library in my hands. Yeah. Because the versatility of it with um, having Steam in there... Um, emu deck like i said where you can play all your emulators and old games um obviously you can't play like a playstation 3 game on your steam deck but like anything up to including gamecube and ps2 era is more than likely going to run pretty well on the steam deck without without any graphical changes um switch games also run pretty well on the steam deck for the most part um games i would recommend like if you want like a lot of fun and just like a mindless game of uh, vampire survivors, you know, for $5, you're going to get 30 hours of content out of it. Um, Elden ring is a really good one. I mean, even folks who don't really like that kind of game, but just seeing like, this is a ball, a balling triple a game. That's immense. It's massive and it runs yeah, perfectly I, fine. Full. I would generally say you're going to spend most of your time playing indie titles just because they're, cheap you know and so like those are the things that are going to come across your desk but you should at least get one game that you have played before on a powerful system yeah like like the like god of war is a good one and if you've played that game so that you have that sort of internal benchmark of like this is how this should play and you should buy it again on steam and download it and play it on your steam deck and just be like wow yeah, and like for me, really with the Steam Deck, it's just there. You can do so much with it, and I like. I'll be honest; I probably spend more time just sitting around tinkering with it, sure, than I do like actually playing games. Like getting um, Game Pass set up, getting PlayStation streaming set up. Um, one thing I've been looking at today and this weekend, um, as just a little distraction, is a, a program called um, Sunshine and Moonlight, which is right. like a client, a host client thing where. You just stream games from your gaming PC to your Steam Deck, and they work. So, like a game like Red Dead Redemption Two, which you can play on your Steam Deck, but it's you're not gonna have like super good performance out of it. Right. Okay. Just stream it from your gaming PC. You know, with right. A, Set it up so the, it works the way the Steam Link did. Right. Uh, Steam Link stuff also works very, very well without mm-hmm. having to do much with it. So you have just so many options here of out of the box of your your entire gaming library is right there. Um, one big thing I will say about Steam Deck is if you're on Steam and you see, oh, something's listed as playable or something's listed as unsupported, ignore that because that's Valve's benchmarks. And they only have so much time to, you know, add games to their lists um protondb.com will tell you legit if a game is playable or not yeah and it's it includes re- and it's honestly really fucking rare to find something that doesn't work the only game and this is an odd one that i've actually found that just flat out will not work is um the chrono cross remaster mm-hmm. that i cannot get that one to start i've tried a whole bunch of different things um so with that one and even that uh, game's like a year old now the remaster and the devs came out today or yesterday and said hey we're gonna put a patch out for this game we know there's a lot of a lot of performance issues so we're gonna patch it um 
But even like games that just just came out recently, um, High on Life plays really well on the Steam Deck. I know it's obviously bad choice, but just hot in my brain. water, hot yeah. Um, Hogwarts Legacy plays really well on the Steam Deck. Um, hot water, <laughs> I I understand, but we're just saying, looking at games that like just came out, like Hogwarts Legacy just came out. It works on the Steam Deck. Yeah. You have to tinker with it a little bit, but you know it's there. Um, you have to search your soul for whether or not you think it's appropriate to support the creators. Uh, that, yeah, but we're not we're not talking about that. That's I don't. Uh, and to be frank, I do not support you buying High on Life. Go play it. Play it on Game Pass. Uh, same with Hard Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> if it's available on Game Pass, play it that way. Um, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody's uh, moral decisions about playing Hogwarts Legacy. That's up to you. If you want to separate it out in your mind, that's fine. I don't care. Just way. know it's that a, J.K. Rowling openly said uh, people still buy my stuff and therefore they support my views. Um, that's the most ass backwards thing I've heard in so long. Like, that is not how this works at all, you, you dumb bitch. Um, she, I mean, she made it. She made it how it works. That's the only thing that I would say about that statement is like, that's openly saying, like, if you disagree with me, don't buy my stuff, which like easy for me because Harry Potter as a phenomenon completely missed me as a person. But sure. uh, it's definitely uh, it's bold for a creator to be like, if you don't believe with my if you don't agree with my incredibly specific and unpopular views on uh, gender identity. Uh, then uh, you know, don't buy anything Harry Potter related. That's crazy. That's uh, that's, it, that's that's a hard line to draw in the sand. It's it's absolutely wild. And here's the thing: like, people will go through, will do some mental gymnastics for Harry Potter stuff. Sure, yeah, of course. But she's anything. also you just know, like, if if Harry Potter meant a lot to me, I would be having a hard time with it. Sure, you know? but. The flip side of it is those other novels that she's written under her alias, and she's ever, even written a couple under her real name, uh, like adult novels. Right. Yeah, no one's going to buy those fuckers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we had one, two more questions, and we'll get out of here. Um, you got an all-expenses-paid vacation anywhere in the world. Where would you go and why? I mean, I'm a person who doesn't love what I would consider to be pointless leisure travel. I like to travel for things, um, for events that are happening and things like that. So it would really come down to me, like if it was at, at my option and at my leisure, I would wait until something I really wanted to see was happening. You know, in a particular sure. location. But if they're saying, you know, right now you got to pick a place. Mm. Um, Mexico City, maybe. Um, okay, it's, it's It'd be like fun. a cheap, it's like a cheap, cheap date option. Obviously, like okay, yeah, Mexico City, that's fine. Um, but uh, that you know, I love that that culture and the food and um and the color and the history and everything like i would love to go down and do that sure that'd be that'd be a fun one so yeah i i got two answers one japan because mm -hmm. i i wanted to go to japan since i was very very little yeah, you want to find one of those uh uh panty vending machines you know 
Um, oh, not just one. <laughs> <laughs> Find them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a mission now. Um, and my other answer is I I wanted, I would like to go to the Monaco Grand Prix for Formula One. It's yeah. the bougiest fucking thing in the world. It's the shittiest race because those <laughs> the car, and it's a shitty race because the cars are too big. They can't pass each other on the streets. So it's just right. it's the qualifying is the race. Yeah. But just to see all of that elegance and extravagance and be a part of that would be really cool. Uh, Jamaica, it'd be nice to um, to go and see Studio One and uh, some of those places that uh, hold a great significance in um, the history of reggae music. And, uh, you know, it'd be a fun culture to be around. It'd be a, it's <laughs> a bit of a strange choice for a straight edge vacation, but, um, but it would be an interesting and, and sort of a fascinating culture to be immersed in. Um, you know, and then the places that other people go, Italy and shit, you know, like, sure. <laughs> Italy and shit. Sure, whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. I don't, I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. Um, like I said, and- leisure travel feels like when I've done it, I've been like, this is a lot of money to spend to not be here for a Do specific anything. reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I feel you. I feel you. Um, and then our last question, which is a fun one. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite curse words? Uh, they're doing the actress studio thing to us. Um, I, I liked words have always been my friend. And um, I like to use lots of uh, different words. But there's only there aren't that many curse words when people are like when they get this question and they're like ball sack muncher or whatever. I'm like, I don't like that's not a, a curse word specifically means a certain thing. Um, So, I mean, it's the same one everybody loves. It's it's fuck. I mean, I, I mean, I kind of I all the time. I make I I string mine together. I'm not, like, a, doctor, um, I'm not a Dr. Seuss of curse words. That's not me. I, uh, you know, like um, you, you two timing fuck nugget. You know, yeah. I I yeah. I kind of string mine together. It's nothing that like I ever really remember that I go back to. It's kind of just it depends on how pissed I am at the time. Yeah. <laughs> dumbass, I guess dumbass would be my favorite. <laughs> I, it's good to talk. You know, to be it good. is. It is. Seeing the Elite and a, a friendship podcast. Um, I said that I was going to have a, a better copy and, and music and stuff, uh, but I don't yet. And I don't know Wait. when I will. We're just, it's very casual over here. <laughs> we're, just, we're just hanging out. We're just hanging out, but <laughs> stop riding me about it. Nobody's riding me about it. I'm I'm, ride, I'm internally riding myself about it. Um, but... <laughs> But hopefully we'll uh we'll get there. Am I frozen on your end too? What's going on? Yeah, you are. I can hear you, but I can't you're just frozen. That's fucked. Fuck you, Discord. Well, anyway, thing, we're done. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting out of here. <laughs> uh, here's here's what we're gonna do.
No, Discord's just fucked. There's no fixing it. Weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you when we catch you now. Oh, no, there it goes. See, it helped. Helped to some degree. Helped on my end, anyway. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another episode of Seeing the Elite, a friendship podcast. Until then, go out and change the world. <laughs>